0: Dana, boy, it was uh, quite an adventure to get here, huh?
1: It has been. It has been, And but it's exciting. It's been a fun ride, right? It's been a fun ride. So Dana, you are kind of the
0: mastermind behind this podcast. You pushed me kicking and screaming to get here. Why is it that you wanted to develop a podcast for Unreal Digital Group and and then we can dive in and kind of talk about kind of where we came from and and talk about our agency?
1: Yeah, I think that sounds great. You know, I think... My background is content, and I know we'll get into that in a little more detail, but one of the questions I get from our clients a lot is, I need something new, I want something creative, and the reality is there's not a lot of new formats out there, right? But I think the one thing that we're seeing gain traction in the B2C space, especially as podcasts, because it's an easier time commitment, right? I can listen to it while I'm doing life. And so I thought as B2B continues to expand, this is kind of a creative way for us to get our message out and and include some of the amazing marketers that we talk about. And then I think from our perspective, you and I work so well together and we play off each other well. And it just, it seemed like a natural marketing adventure for us here.
0: I love it. I love it. And so this the podcast is called B2B Marketing Gets Real. Our agency obviously is Unreal Digital Group, and you and I really have a mission to focus on authenticity and what we're calling authentic authentic marketing and kind of getting the jargon out. Let's, let's have a human connection. Let's speak in language that people reading and communicating with a brand understand and resonate with in, in more of a human way. This season in particular, we're focusing on kind of the oh shit moments that we as marketers have had. Some of our guests are probably gonna be more willing to admit to some of their oh shit moments than others. We'll see. Um, I know you and I definitely wanna talk about some of our oh shit moments, but why don't we give like a quick background, kind of how we got here and Unreal Digital Group and the amazing team that we have. and, And then maybe we can share with our listeners, some of our own. Oh. We don't make mistakes, <laughs> Carrie. Come on. <laughs> well, I can say that as the years on the calendar continue to add up, I become more willing to own up to mistakes. and, and uh, That'll
1: be an interesting trend, right? If we see that our younger guests are a little more shy about sharing their- Maybe,
0: yeah, maybe.
1: Their failures, whereas all of us who are more up in the years don't care.
0: (laughs) Right, right. I love it, I Um, love it. So, let's give you yeah. your background and and how you got here,
1: yeah. So, I really feel like I've been living and breathing content my entire life. I actually went to school for public relations, and I remember sitting with an advisor looking for an internship, and he told me, "You need to go get a writing internship because, all PR people need to write. And I was like, I don't want to write. And ended up at a media company on trade publications. And I became a a managing editor and ended up writing. And writing was never my thing, though. I didn't love it, but I definitely loved content. And so as I worked into marketing, I did a stint in channel marketing and did a lot of work there. And then eventually ended up running and overseeing Content for Demand, which is a content agency, and worked there for 10 years, kind of growing it from the ground up. And so So content and strategy, personas is where where my focus is. I think what became apparent towards the end, which is probably a little of how we got together, is I think a lot of agencies are putting their products in silos, right? And I think what we know is that's not how it works. Content doesn't live. Content fuels demand gen, and you need content for demand gen and vice versa. And so I think as I was starting to see that and kind of looking for my new adventure, it's kind of what led me to you, who we've known for years. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I love that. I love that. And I think as a storyteller, you kind of led us down the path here of kind of talking about the three service pillars that we have, Unreal Digital Group and content definitely being, you know, one of the core ones and where we're seeing a lot of growth within our clients at this point. And then the other side is is kind of my background, which is demand generation and marketing technology. And I too, I, I know that we've talked about this, but I have a degree in public relations and... Um,
1: yes, I think I, I know it. <laughs> that's
0: so funny. But I took that path because I'm scared to death of math and so... <laughs> I know that's not a good thing to admit, but again, you know, I'm in my 50s now, so I don't really give a shit. (laughs) Scared to death of math. So I'm going to go PR. Yeah, yeah. I do it, I do it, but I I don't like it, and that's okay. But I did a lot of events in in the 90s. And I had a friend, Frances Evenson, shout out to Frances, I adore her. And we're actually doing some client work for her at a really cool startup that she's at right now. She had was the first VP of sales at Marketo. And this was back in late 2006, early 2007. And she, she said, there's some really cool stuff going on over here. And once I saw what was happening, having worked in in a variety of companies that are trying to piecemeal landing pages together you know we worked with developers to get to get landing pages set up it take weeks to get to get landing pages to support campaigns set up and then working in some of the very rudimentary email marketing campaigns nothing was kind of connected together and when she kind of shared with me the the vision of Marketo and kind of the direction it was going. And I remember being on a call with with John Miller and an analyst, I believe, from Forrester, when they were talking about what's the category? What are we gonna call this? And so this was pre, you know, marketing automation. I know they were kicking around lead generation automation and all kinds of things. But that was, those were early days. And I realized right away, holy shit, this is going to be something cool because, you know, there's a lot of marketers out there who don't like math, like me, you know, <laughs> and focus more on the creative side and would be looking for more help on the technology side. So, so was able to identify the opportunity there to Kind of create a skill set for myself, and then to start to build a team on the Martech side over many years. So then you and I got together. We've been friends for a long time. We've had a lot of fun at events and sharing clients. And you know, we always just kind of said, "Wow, you know, you have this skill set. I have this skill set. Together, that's kind of what um, what we think is needed in the B2B space." So. Ta-da! So here we
1: are. Here we are. Yay. We have a lot of fun. We definitely have a lot of fun. We do. We do. And we have an an amazing amazing team. team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think... Because Carrie and I have such these deep roots in in our areas of expertise, we've kind of garnered a little following of amazing marketers and content marketers and technology folks that couldn't wait to come on board and go down this path with us. And so we're just lucky, I think, from that perspective. Everybody's a unicorn. And I don't think you can say that all the time. So Yeah.
0: Everybody likes each other. We have fun. We work hard, but we have fun. And I think it's a great environment. I love our teams. So, so why don't we put each other to the test here, Dana? Yes. And, and we
1: didn't talk about this beforehand, so neither of us
0: really <laughs> knows what the other one's gonna say. <laughs> I think that one of the things that we've agreed to is authenticity and F-bombs and other um, questionable language is fair game at this point. So, and those of you that know me know that I talk like a trucker. So, you know, there'll be no no surprises here. But one of the questions I think that we're, well, what we're really going to focus on when we're talking to our guests is, is what are some of the things that you've learned, right? You know, I mean, with every mistake, there is an opportunity for learning and growing. And hopefully we can get kind of some of those nuggets of people that have been in the marketing and, and content marketing industry for a long time, sales as well. I know we're planning to talk to some sales sales leaders. What mistakes have you made and, and what did you learn from it? And you know, what could our, our listeners learn? So so I've got a couple things here I'd like to yeah, share. Um let's how about go. you?
1: <laughs> yes. Let's let's roll. I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Yeah. So, so I, lots
0: of mistakes over the years, of course, you know, I, I, um, more maybe than I would care to admit, but two kind of bubbled to the top. Um, because I think one was so painful and then one was, it took me a while to kind of figure it out. So, um, so the first one was, and this is kind of, I tell this story a lot, but back in the day prior to, you know, email marketing being as prevalent as it is, it was very hard to get email addresses. So when you were promoting webinars, which again was a unstable and, and early technology in the late 90s, you had to do direct mail. And so we did these huge direct mail sends to IT and business audiences. You know, we had the BRC form that you would tear off, sign, and then send it back, send it back. And creativity was, was flowing. We were doing one of these and I was at the printer. I signed off on the blue line and there was a mistake in the barcode. And so, like, it was caught before the mailing, but it was after the printing, and it was a very costly mistake because... This was at the fairly beginning of my first agency. We were bootstrapped on cash and couldn't go to the client and say, I fucked up. Well, I did, but I said, I fucked up and we'll pay for it. We're going to pay for it, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, I could never expect for the client to pay for my mistake. And it was my mistake. My signature was on the blue line. Like in Elf, remember when the, the guy didn't sign the last of the pages and it was like, you know... Mr. Hobson, you know, your signature is on these pages that are blank. Same thing. And I had to, I went and negotiated with my printer. And I said, can you work with me on the cost here to do this reprint? And, and, you know, kind of the takeaways from that are, Slow down, double, triple check. The devil is in the details and it looked good. There were no typos. It was fabulous, but the barcode was not the right barcode. And so I will never make that mistake again. I probably will never be involved in another big direct mail campaign like that. Maybe, I don't know, who knows. But you know, the other thing I think, and this is kind of something that Dana, I know you hear me talk about all the time is, it's about relationships. And I had the relationship with the printer where I could go and I wasn't asking for favors all the time, but this was a favor and, and I really needed some help on kind of the cost of that reprint. So all worked out well. We had hundreds of
1: people attending the webinar as, as we It is amazing have. anyone showed <laughs> up when you think it had to go through the mail. <laughs> I know. I know.
0: It's crazy. It's crazy. I have samples somewhere. I ran across them in my in my last move and it was like, oh my gosh, we did direct mail for webinars.
1: I think that's so interesting you say that though, because I years ago did some old Dale Carnegie training, leadership training. And one of the things they talk about, and at the time, like you're like, oh, that's the stupidest thing you've ever heard. Because the example they get, you go, you have to put deposits in the trust bank so that when you need to take withdrawals, You can. And we used to joke about it, my husband and I, and I hear my talk to my kids and this, but that's one of those things, right? That's the relationship piece of it. That if I've been a good partner in this, when I do fuck up, you're more likely to work with me. And it's the same with clients too, right? You know, if I've built this good relationship and then I fuck up, it's much easier to, and we do, we all do it. I mean, nothing's as we're going to learn in this,
0: (laughs) in this (laughs) podcast have been made indeed. Yeah, you're absolutely (laughs) right, Dana. You're absolutely right. So, so my second kind of thing that bubbled to the top. And those who have known me for a long time know I like to party. I used to like to party a lot more than I do now because it was it was more fun and easier to get up the next day. But I did events for a long time, user conference, you know, trade shows and the like, seminars and was on the road a lot. And I just partied too much. And I think that It took me a while to realize that when you had executives that were there, and as a woman in her late 20s, you know, maybe even early 30s, I probably would have, if I knew now what I knew then, or if I knew then what I know now, I probably would have toned it down a bit or been a little bit more selective about when I kicked up my heels, because all the things, you know, trying to, number one, get up early and build a booth the next day, but also just, you know, trying to get respect and earn my place at the table, although I I think I was a lot of fun. I think it was one of those lessons that I learned along the way to maybe be a little bit mindful and put guardrails up for myself,
1: so. I mean, like, I have those experiences, too, and I'm guessing so many of us, especially young, we get out, we haven't done it, you're traveling for work, and... Yeah, looking back at some of those moments, yeah, not the best, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) We survived! Yay! (laughs) How about you, Dana? I mean, come on, let's fess up. I uh, would love to hear
1: your stories. So I thought about this, too. Okay, so two bubbled up for me as well, and I'm sure there's many that'll come up throughout the season, but I think one of them that stands out is I helped launch content to conversion, which is now B2B MX. And I remember, so it was during a year that I was transitioning more to content for demand. And so I was still running the conference and still doing this. So I I probably had too much on my plate, but I was, I was doing the budget and I made a really big budgeting mistake, like enough, like it was not. And it was a year that sales were slightly down. And it was one of those things where literally just, the Excel formula, like, you know, a line wasn't added in there. And it was basically the entire food budget. So was not adding up. (laughs) So it's not a small thing. It wasn't like, you know, the curtains or something for the booth. It was a large chunk of the budget. And I think the, I mean, we caught it before you get to the show, but I had to go to my boss and essentially be like, I need more money. I mean, like, I, I screwed this up. I mean, it's it's too late. We have to buy the food. Contracts are signed. We need to feed the guests. And we probably have to sell more then. So I have to go to the sales They're like, we, we got to sell more to make up this difference. And so it was, I think, an exercise in a... I think it was the first time I had, it had such a massive error that I had to go to somebody and kind of really fess up. I mean, little things like no big deal, like, oh, I had a misspelling in a subject line, which still not a great thing, but this felt much bigger to me and especially because I owned it and I felt really responsible. And so I think it was probably the, a big turning point for my life, like learning that it's okay to say I fucked up, but it's a hard thing to do. And I think as a woman too, and, and having to go to a man too, and, and there was a lot of that, that was just really difficult for me to do. And there's moments that went through my head, like, do I do this? Can I fix this? Can I hide it? Do I have to say anything? And so I think the lesson just, I think is a, I mean, you said it early too, the details are so important, especially what we do in marketing. We're all moving so fast and that's where mistakes are had. So it's slow down and double check everything. But I think the other lesson is, is that like you kind of said with a partner is if you've You're good at what you do and you trust in who you are and what you do, everybody makes mistakes. And so trusting that. By being honest about your mistakes, it's gonna be okay, right? Like nobody was like, I mean, I didn't lose my job over it at least. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, and I
0: have to tell you, and you know, kudos to you for starting what became an amazing event over still is an amazing event. And and I didn't go the first year, that was in Times Square, New York. I went the second year, but I remember the feedback that we got that it was a fabulous event. So clearly nobody was hungry. So no, yay, (laughs) really
1: good (laughs) caterers, especially those first few years. (laughs) Yes. So it was, it was fun. And then my second is a little more on a leadership front, right? As we kind of move into these leadership roles and we were hiring a, a sales person and it was a friend of kind of my right hand person at the time. And so really trusted their input, but my gut was like, something's not Right. About this hire. And, you know, we really needed a person. I talked to my boss and he was like, just hire him. You're overthinking this. We can trust what this other person is saying. And, and if they're anything like them, they're going to be great. And so I extended the offer. And like a day later, like my stomach was just a knot. And then my fear was like, I'm going to bring this person on. I have to let him go. And then I'm going to jeopardize what I have with this person who's really critical to my team. And so I took back the offer. I've never done, I don't even know if you can do that. I asked HR, I'm like, I don't feel good. I got on the call with this person. I was really honest. I said, hey, if you can convince me otherwise today that you're right for this job, I will give it to you. And it was a really kind of eat your shit moment because I mean, this person was like, I almost gave notice. You like, I mean, and it's it's true. I mean, it's a terrible, terrible situation to put somebody in. And so it ended up, I mean, fine, My right-hand person ended up leaving, whether it was shortly after, whether it was because of this or not. So I mean, either way, I didn't win in this matter. I think that for me, though, it was a really, really big learning around trusting your gut. And I knew it wasn't right. And it ultimately was my decision to make. But I I put too much into what other people were telling me. And that's on me. And I knew it. I knew what it took to be successful in this role and wanted it to work out. Yes, we needed somebody. So I think we've all done that with hiring maybe the wrong person sometimes. But, you know, this was really close to home. It was personal. People knew each other. And so I think for me, it, it was just an now I'm really good about it, but then I wasn't, is just trust your gut instinct on these things. It won't serve you wrong. And we can avoid offering people jobs and then taking them back.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, I don't know if you've ever read, there's a book by Gavin DeBeck about like his experience as an FBI investigator and we're animals, right? You know, and and we are oftentimes rationalize what we're feeling in our gut and say, oh, this man following me is, you know, there's no way he could be coming after me. And so you talk yourself out of things when in your gut and in your heart, you know, it's right. And, you know, animal instincts, you know, animals know, right. And they don't have the reasoning that we have, which, which sometimes, um, Works against us, but that's—I think that's really great advice. Listen to your gut and and at least go make a decision that is informed with all the different pieces instead of just saying I'm going to listen to this one piece. So, yeah, yeah. Ooh, boy, we're lucky we've had great hires. So, yes, um, yes, <laughs> we haven't had to take any offers. Yeah, back. yeah. I
1: yeah. have to never do that again. I don't yeah. even know if that's something you can do in the HR world, but we did. <laughs>
0: Love it. Love it. <laughs> oh. So we're going to be asking all of our listeners what advice that they would have for their 20-year-old self. And this is a favorite question of mine. And, you know, I, I think it's really insightful. And I love to ask. It's like my cocktail party topic. Because it does really give people a chance to reflect on who they are, where they've been, And maybe some of the things that they would have changed had they given the chance. You know, from a career perspective, if you were that woman on the steps starting college, you know, would you have gone a different path? When you were on the altar, getting ready to marry your life partner, would you have taken? You know, I think there's always a little bit of that. But Mark, no, I I would have married you again if given the chance. So, but what advice do you have to 20 year old Dana? maybe both personally and professionally, I think it might be interesting for our listeners to hear both sides of that. What which got?
1: Yeah. So I think there's a couple, I mean, trust your gut is one and we'd hit on that. That for me is definitely uh, there, but I even t- would take that next step as I had this manager young who instilled something in me too, is that decisions don't have to be made right away on things. And so I think there's this feel that we have to, like an issue arises, like we get an email from a client and there's this immediate reaction to respond. And what happens when we do that is we don't give ourselves the space to respond in the way that we should or think through it or understand it. And so it's okay. We want a response. Yes, I hear you. Let me dig into it and get back to you, but I don't have to have the answer today. And so I think for me, it's about giving myself the space to think through things and know that the decision does have to be made this moment. And sometimes by not making a decision, it'll fix itself too. And, and that's been an interesting lesson. Like I'll be like, okay, I'm not gonna make this now. And then like a day later, kind of resolves. So I think that kind of goes hand in hand with trusting your gut and then giving yourself the time. My second one is just around, listen more than you talk. I'm not the best at it still to this day. I wish I would have learned it younger. I love to talk, but I think that we build better relationships and over the course of our personal lives and just can be more creative and can be all these things we want to be by listening versus talking. So,
0: yeah, my grandma used to say, God gave you two ears and one mouth, listen twice as much as you talk.
1: That's so true.
0: (laughs) I love that. That's really good advice because we do, when we listen, it guides us, I think. And you and I talk a lot about, especially for the team, making sure that they're heard, right? And that they know that they're heard is, I think that's one of the secrets of employee retention and having good relationships with your team to take the time to listen, let them know that they've been heard. And I think as human beings, that's critical. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think it's bigger, right? It's everyone in your life wants to be heard and they're not necessarily looking for the answer, right? I think a lot of us, at least in the marketing world, I bet we're all fixers. It's what we do all day long is fix, fix, fix. And sometimes somebody just wants to be heard. They're not looking for you for the answer. They just want to be heard. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I ask my daughter often, "Do you want my advice, or do you just want me to listen?" Because when I launch into my advice, it's not what she wants, and then, <laughs> and then it all
1: backfires. So. I'm trying to do that with my 15-year-old now too. Yes,
0: <laughs>
1: love it, love
0: it. So, all right, how about you,
1: Carrie? What do you yeah, have for us? Yeah, I've got
0: two that I think are really critical. The first one is build your network. And the value of your network will get you through. And I talk about the Gal Pal Network kicks the old boys' network in the ass any day because we ladies, we stick together, we support each other, you know, we raise each other up. And I think that is the beauty of of being a woman in tech and supporting each other. So build your network. And to what you said earlier, Dana, about that trust will, will allow you to ask for favors when needed and then be prepared to give to give favors when asked and and oftentimes do more giving than receiving right because at it just it's it's the right way to do it and go to those receptions go to those events you know jump on those phone calls give people support on LinkedIn all of those things matter and as you know Dana we've built our agency both on the um, just with these amazing relationships that we've cultivated over decades.
1: And you guys will see that because a lot of our guests this first season are people that Carrie and I have worked with for years. I mean, one of one of the gals that's on here was probably one of my very, very first customers years ago. I mean, just, and yeah, I know you've got friends and people who, I mean, you met through the industry, but, you know, are dear friends now that we'll have on and it'll become yeah. evident. It's going to be fun. I can't <laughs> yes. wait. I can't <laughs> wait.
0: And then my second piece of advice to 20-year-old Carrie is practice self-care. And I can always put off a doctor's appointment or a walk or therapy appointment or something like that because there's so much work to do. And I think that when I'm taking care of myself, everybody else is taken care of as well. And you know, self-care is should always be the first priority, you know, especially as, as a woman, managing oftentimes, you know aging parents, young kids, all the activities that come with that and and if you don't take care of yourself in all the ways, physically, spiritually, emotionally, all of those things, um you're not going to be able to do all of it. And, you know, I think that's a that's a critical thing and it's a lesson that I learned along the way. So,
1: yeah, that's great. It should be easy, but it's not, right? We sacrifice ourselves a lot in All of the things that are on the list and it tends to keep just getting pushed down. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I guess let's just kind of kick off the season here and welcome everyone to the podcast. And I think we got some really good episodes coming up.
1: Yeah. And if anybody is interested in joining us, send us a message. We hope that you like the season. Be sure to subscribe on all of the places that you listen to your podcasts. And we look forward to seeing you all on this journey with us. Awesome. Welcome. And that's as real as it's getting with this episode. Thanks for
0: joining hosts Dana Harder and Carrie Baldwin with Unreal Digital Group. In this podcast, Marketing Gets Real, where we get rid of the filters and chat with B2B marketers about real-life stories of successes, failures, and everyday adventures. If you're loving these, oh shit, tell it how it is type of conversations, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your
1: podcasts. Until next time.